0: Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today's message was originally preached on Sunday, November 29th, 2020, by Rod Heppel, our lead pastor. This is the 11th and final message in our sermon series entitled God of Wonder. Check out sardisfellowship.com for more information about our church. If you can believe it, we started the God of Wonder sermon series 11 weeks ago. That was September the 20th. And today is going to be our last sermon in this series. I want to thank Dr. Archie Spencer for his sermon that he preached last week out of Isaiah chapter 40. The essence of his message was on what God has said to us about his greatness, or the one term he used, his otherness, as well as God's nearness and his tenderness. Uh, Isaiah said, with whom will you compare God? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and yet he tends his flock like a shepherd and gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. So we saw this otherness and this nearness. So last week's message was about God's response to us. This week's message is about our response to God. If God has come near to us to save us, then how shall we live our lives? At the end of Archie's sermon, he focused in on Jesus. Everything we know about God and his desire to be in relationship with us is brought to light through the life of Jesus Christ, the only son of God, the one who came into the world to rescue us. Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God. If you want to see what God is like, look at Jesus. How else would you know or understand the greatness of God and the nearness of God if it wasn't for Jesus? So, it's all about Jesus. About who he was, how he lived his life, what the work on the cross accomplished, his resurrection, all of it is an expression of God's tenderness, his nearness, which allows us to come into a right relationship with him. This is the gospel. Jesus is both human and divine. He's God incarnate. He's almighty God in human flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Christmas. There you have it. I have said the word Christmas. It officially starts right now. None of this starting the day after Remembrance Day, huh? Playing music, hanging lights. All right, I must admit that I was one of those people that put up a few Christmas lights last weekend and maybe my daughter has been playing Christmas music and maybe I did put up one Christmas tree in the basement, but it was all because of peer pressure. We're starting Advent next week, not today. Um, What I have here in my hands is something we want to give away to you. It's going to be filled with candles, four of them, and it's going to have uh, some Items on there to make it look pretty, some greenery. So Richard was talking about us next week, the drive through We're going to be handing these out. And so I hope you come out to that. And, you know, we're going to deliver some of these Advent wreath things to our seniors who are shut in. Uh, the ones who won't be able to come out to our drive through they're going to get one of those. And uh, if you're a senior listening today and you say, hey, well, I can't get out, would you please call the church, the office, uh, or email Let us know who you are so we make sure that you're on our list. So if you want one of those, let us know. But Christmas, it's all about the God of wonder. Uh, It's Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, coming into our world to rescue us. He's Lord at his birth. And we worship him just like those first witnesses, the shepherds, the magi, the angels, they worshipped. So what better way to wrap up our God of Wonder series and to also kick off our thoughts on Advent than to talk about Jesus and our relationship to him and our relationship with him. I want to talk about two things today. Starting the race and running the race. Running and finishing. Starting the race is entering into the relationship with God and running the race is how we live in relationship with God. Now, I'm using this language of race, this illustration, because it's one that Paul uses to describe the spiritual journey. I'm not going to go into it, I just want to use that language. So for me personally, I started the race at a very young age. I had the privilege of growing up in a home where my parents lived out their faith in Jesus in a very real way. Um, As adults, my mom and dad had personally come to faith in Christ. They experienced the saving grace of God when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. So they shared this message with us as kids when we were quite young. I remember when I was about five years old, sitting with my mom on the couch in the living room asking her questions about Jesus. That was my first recollection of my understanding that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus to save me from my sins. Now, I know you might be thinking, well, you were five years old. What could you know about sin? Well, I was pretty good at it even by the time I was five. Um, I think actually it's because I had older brothers and they somehow brought out the evident need that I had for Jesus in my life very early. But, of course, I didn't understand the whole message. I couldn't put all those adult details together. But I had the faith of a child, and I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, and I did trust in him. That much I understood. Parents, can I encourage you? If you have kids at home, share your faith with the kids. They might not know your story of how you came to know Christ. It's the privilege of many, many, many parents to share Christ with their kids and to help them put the connection together of what it means to have personal faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, if one of your kids has prayed to receive Christ recently during COVID, let Pastor Tim, our family life pastor, know, or Carol, our director of Sardis Kids, know so that we can celebrate that good news with you as well. Now, that day when I prayed with my mom, she helped me understand two basic things about the gospel. One, that I was a sinner, and two, that Jesus was my savior. It wasn't much more than that. But when you think about it, that's the heart of the gospel, That's why the faith of a child is sufficient. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. My sin brought death, but Jesus' death brought life. Now, as time went on, I grew in my understanding of the gospel, this good news. In fact, I I grew my understanding of the love of God for me and that it was my sin that separated me from his love and that God's one and only son had come into this world on a mission to save humanity, to save me. From what? From the consequence of my sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't dying for his own sins, but rather for mine. And he paid the price for my sins so that I might be made right with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that righteousness of God, that being made right with God, doesn't come through my own goodness or my own hard work but through simple faith. Childlike faith. That's how Jesus put it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And in John 1, it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if we put this together, this this gift of faith that we have comes to us by God's grace. And it must be responded to by believing and receiving Jesus. And in so doing, we are saved from eternal separation from God in hell and are brought into a living relationship with the God of the universe. That's mind-blowing. That's the God of wonder. This God we will live with forever in his presence in a place called heaven. Jesus said in John 14, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would have I told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And then the Apostle John in his vision and revelation describes that future reality of this presence with God like this. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look! Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Wow! God is preparing a place for me and you to live with him for eternity. And all of this is ours based on one thing. It's based on what we do with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Whether or not you receive God's gift, his son Jesus, who is your savior and your Lord, or you reject him. And you walk away from God's offer and you find your own path. What is it? Receive or reject? Which camp are you in? You need to answer that question. Now, there's, there's no third option here. There's no, like, middle ground. Uh, the cost was too great. There's no all-good-people-go-to-heaven-and-all-bad-people-go-to-hell kind of categories. No, there's only one category, and it's all people are sinners and equally in need of Jesus to save them. There's only one Son of God who has come into this world that is the Savior, who's here to rescue us, and that's Jesus. Romans 3 and Galatians 1 put it like this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. So what is this saying? This is saying that we're all sinners and that Jesus Christ is the one who gave his life for us. Again, it's spelled out like this in in John's gospel. Uh, Jesus is speaking and he says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. That's, That's Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the, in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, Jesus, must be lifted up, that's referencing the cross, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him, in him, Jesus, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So then this is a conclusion. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That's it. The, The one who believes is saved, and the one who does not stands condemned already. That's the default position that we have as humans. Every one of us is outside of God, and the only way to come in is to believe in Jesus. So, you start the race by putting your trust in Jesus. Have you done that? In your heart, have you acknowledged your, your own sin problem and your need to be saved from it? Have you confessed that Jesus Christ is your Savior, your Lord? Romans ten nine says, you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's God's promise to every person who just looks to him. So, Let's now look at the second part of this idea, which is running the race and finishing the race. And we should think of a marathon kind of a race, not a 100-meter dash. Running the race means to follow Jesus and to obey him. As Jesus said in John 14, you love me. If you love me, keep my commands. So how do we do that? After all, it's extremely difficult to follow Jesus faithfully. I entered this race 46 years ago, and I would have thought by now I'd be perfect at it, but I'm not. I'm still learning. I'm learning who God is. I'm learning to trust Him, and I'm learning to surrender my will to His. Now, to help us understand how to run the race, I'm going to look at two different um, verses in Galatians or passages that Paul writes on. And out of those two passages, we're going to get three answers on how we are to run the race faithfully and how to finish the race. So number one, we run the race by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, number two and three are we're united with Jesus and we run by the grace of God. Just to show you the whole picture. So Jesus said, it's better for you that I leave because I will send the comforter to you and he will live in you and will guide you. That's John 14 to 16. So who is this comforter? Well, the comforter is the Holy Spirit. And he comes to live within us and he speaks to us. And we need to learn to walk and listen to his voice and to walk in accordance with his will. Galatians 5.25 says it like this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. This, this is our power for running the race, the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He fills us and he empowers us. And our part is to listen to his voice and to say yes to him and no to our flesh. So that's the first point. We run the race in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. But I don't want to make this sound like it's so easy to do. I mean, don't we falter at times? we face many challenges in this life. We're tempted by so many things that draw our attention away from God. And I think it causes us to wonder. We wonder about God and who he is and his goodness. We, we want to see if he is who he says who he is. We do that, don't we? We test God. I mean, we shouldn't test God, but I think that we do. I, I'd like to say that it was only ever that we trust God But I think in our human experience, when we doubt, when we let doubt creep in, we begin to evaluate God. We're watching to see if he really keeps his word. And how ironic is that, that we want to know if God keeps his word, when who are we? I really like the movie Ford vs. Ferrari, mostly because I love that era of cars, which for those of you who haven't watched the movie yet takes place in the 1960s. And it's a story. It tells the story of the Ford Motor Company who built this race car to go up against the reigning champion Ferrari. And they raced at the 24 hour Le Mans race in France. Now that's all I'm going to tell you about it. But as an illustration, each time Carol Shelby would make an adjustment to the Ford GT race car, he would bring it out to his driver, Ken Miles, and Ken would hop in the car and he would take it for a boot. And I mean, he would really take it for a boot. He drove it hard. Why? He was testing it to see if the problem had truly been fixed or not, to see if he could trust it so that it would be ready for race day. You know, I think we kind of do this with God. We go, do I trust you, Lord? Uh, maybe with my words I say I do, but do I really in real life Do I really trust God? I've heard about you, God. I hear that you're good. Are you? I've heard that you reward those who earnestly seek you. Do you? I've heard that those who put you first in their lives receive a reward that is better than those who disregard you. Is that true? I've heard that those who believe in you won't be put to shame. That those who trust in you find you to be faithful. Can I trust you with my life? You know, I think that this is kind of our Christian experience. It's leaning into God and who he says that he is. What knowing God means to me is that you can trust him with your life. You can trust him with every area of your life. Trusting God means to allow him to have first place in our lives, in everything. Not not just with our lips, but with our thoughts and with our actions. So running the race means Jesus first in everything all the time, forevermore. I'll say that again. Running the race means Jesus first, in everything, all the time, forevermore. Now of course we might say, that's great, that's exactly what I want, but how? How do we do that? So let's take a look at the second passage in Galatians where it talks about our point number two and three. So in running the race, point one is that we do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Point two is by being united with Jesus. And point three is by the grace of God. So Galatians 2, 20 to 21. This was written by the Apostle Paul. And um, what he is, has in mind here when he expresses these words, is his own spiritual story. Uh, he used to trust in the law. He realizes the law can't save him. So now he trusts in Jesus. So let's read Galatians 2 together. Paul speaking. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So we run the race by being united with Christ in his death and his resurrection, and we run the race by God's grace. Do you see that there in that in those few verses? Any person who has come to trust in Jesus has identified themselves with him in his death and his resurrection. You know, that's one of the main principles of understanding from what baptism symbolize, of what baptism is, that we've died to self and we've been raised to new life in Christ. I'm born again. That's the picture of water baptism, which, by the way, is not the last step that you do in life, nor is it the step you take once you kind of have it all together, because that never happens, right? It's an initial step of obedience that you take. And once you've come to trust in Jesus in your heart, it's time to be baptized. It's the beginning part of the race, not the halfway through or their ending part. Now, by saying that, I'm not saying that if you're older and you're nearing the end that you shouldn't be baptized. If you haven't been, yes, you should. So if you're waiting to become something more spiritual than you are in order to be baptized, don't wait, but rather obey Christ and his command and be baptized. And if you want to, you talk to us. We've already had two baptisms during COVID. We can have more, and I would love to have more. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. That means I turn over the captaincy of my life to Jesus. He's my captain, he's my king, he's my lord, it's no longer me. Uh, It's easy to say, right? But it's hard to do, as well as the next part in this verse. The life I now live in the body, which I'm familiar with the life in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who what? Who loved me. And we question that, he loved me. We struggle to believe that God actually loves us. We might think he loves others, but me? Yes, he loves you and he loves me. And he showed it when he gave himself, his son, who died on the cross for me and for you. So let's read this again. And I'm going to put my name right in there so that you can see this. The life I, Rod, now live in the body. I, Rod, live by the faith in the son of God who loved me, Rod, and gave himself for me, Rod. This is very motivating. Jesus loves me so much that he gave his life so that I might live, And when I trust in him, I'm united with him in his death death and resurrection so that I might have new life and live it to God. That's the goal. So the final point that I want to make in running the race is by God's grace. Verse 21 speaks to this. Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Right? You get that. If you could do it through the law, then Jesus wasted his time. His death on the cross is God's grace shown to me and you. It's God's grace shown to every person on the planet. And if God's grace is shown to me like that, this grace costs Jesus his very life. That's what it is. If it's shown to me like that, then that's the grace that we're to show to others. To know God means to know his grace, means to show his grace to those around me. And don't we need that kind of spirit in times like this? That we need God's grace living through us? Sardis Fellowship, we're followers of Jesus. Let us be on the front lines of serving others and showing them grace right now during COVID restrictions because it's frustrating. I know this situation is getting to us, but let's be clear. It's not persecution. It's a pandemic. And we of all people should be ready to love our neighbors, to show grace to all people. And as much as it depends on me to live at peace with everyone, those are scripture references. We need to embody the example of Christ. When he picked up the towel and he washed his disciples' feet, you know the story. He served them. And then he turns to them and he says, now that I've washed your feet, now that I've served you, you go and serve one another. That's the example and the command that he's left us. In closing, I trust you've entered the race by trusting in Jesus. And if you haven't, I invite you to do so. You can do so right now. And if you do, you can let us know or let the person know who's in your life, who's another believer, who's been praying for you for a long time because, you know, by letting them know, then um, they can encourage you. And for those of us who are running the race, it's hard work following Jesus faithfully. Uh, You've got to be in this game, right? And we need to remember that you run the race to finish the race. And we do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. We do it by remembering that we're united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. And we do it by living in the grace that god has shown to us so as we go into this week i would like to pray for us and i pray god's blessing on you that we would live fully and faithfully for him join me in your heart as we pray heavenly father we pause in your presence truly admitting our absolute need of you and your help especially as we live through these times father we do want to run this race well we need you holy spirit to fill us, to speak to us. And I would pray that our hearts would be submissive to your voice and that we would say yes to you and no to our flesh. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for rising to life again. Thank you that we are united with you. Thank you for your grace that we can live out because it's been demonstrated to us. So empower us to be able to do that, to be the people of God living in this world as a light, May we hold it out to those who so desperately need it. So I ask for the strength for this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. For more information on Sardis Fellowship, please check out sardisfellowship.com.